Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Hey, Nick B. Guys, Nick B has been laying in wait. What? I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago, we said that he was in a boy band. <laughs> I remember that, yes. Called Nick B and the B Street Boys. The B Street Boys. The Is B that Street what it was? <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm definitely sure that it was Nick B and the B Street Boys. Don't go back and listen to those fun facts <laughs> no, and see if it is. There's no way to know. Just trust me, guys. So Nick B and the B Street Boys have been secretly recording oh, yeah? in London. Ooh. Yeah, and they're dropping their album, Grandpa My Style, <laughs> this week. Because he's a grandpa. Yeah. But they live there, so that's where they were. They didn't, like, travel there to record. No, 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 no they no, didn't. No, right, right. They're like the London Boys, exactly. a real boy band from London, the London that boys? you guys need to check out. Ooh. Oh, my God. Google it. It's insane. <laughs> I think, actually, Nick B was inspired by them heavily. Ooh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the London Boys. <gasps> Secretly? <laughs> yeah, gather around the fire. It's another episode of the, the Patreonicals. Yeah, hey, listeners, if you're new, we're not crazy. Yeah. They've asked for this. Well, technically, it's just <laughs> I do the weird parts and you guys. I mean, that's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened to the Patreonicals this week, Mikey? Last week, if you remember, there were some hijinks at the MM factory. Yes, oh, that's there were. right. All yes, the green MMs. Were. And Cody Roy escaped from the Jumanji. <gasps> well, the, the Jumanji box. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right, so Michael, who's still our villain, yes, he teams up with Russell. He's <gasps> new. He's also a villain. This episode right. brought to you by Michael and Russell. Right. They come together and they, they're like, you know, we kidnapped all those kids from back in time, the mattresses, and <laughs> to, to make iPhones. And sacrifice them to Satan, right? But they lost all that money in gambling debts. Oh. What? I know. They went to Vegas immediately. No. Atlantic City. Exactly. Because it's not as classic. <laughs> <laughs> so they come up with a plan together. Russell comes up with a plan and says, Michael, let's murder a rich kid and replace him with, with another With, with, with a another less Patreon. rich kid? <gasps> <laughs> no. They're pulling off a Patreon changeling? Oh, yeah. a Patreon <laughs> With this episode brought to you by Eddie. Oh. <gasps> so Eddie is the orphan that gets put in as a patron? They're going uh -uh. to try. Okay. okay. Eddie's a small child in this episode. <laughs> So Eddie, who has he just has Benjamin Button disease, so he's actually like <laughs> oh, God. he's of like course. middle aged, but he <laughs> looks young. But they don't know that. <gasps> yeah, do no, they, they meet know him it. in the middle? Oh. They met him halfway, and then like they've picked a, a, a rich person who's very reclusive. It's the right. Henry Spatula, the heir to the Spatula fortune, famous in pancakeries around the globe. <laughs> it's what makes fried eggs possible. <laughs> but Eddie, he's not super okay with this. Yeah, he's but, not into it. But like, you know, Russell and Michael both have like knives and stuff so they like force him into this plan and honestly it's he's trying to get that sweet sweet spatula money yeah, yeah exactly i get it but he tips off wait eddie tips off somebody well he writes a note to the future oh he puts it in a bottle with his coffin they actually get away with it <gasps> eddie grows old and dies they've conquered the earth but he like sends a message to Cody Roy in the future. <gasps> what? Because Cody Roy is the time cop. Right. So right. he follows the clues national treasure style. Right. And digs up the corpse. He comes out of, you know, with his Bronco that travels through time. So Cody Roy goes and meets Matthew with Mary Poppins' umbrella thing. Right. Yeah. And he says, hey, they're trying to replace a rich person with an imposter to get billions of dollars. Or they did. It's sort of like Terminator. They had to go back yeah. in time to stop that future from happening. Come with me if you want to flip that pancake. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in this old creepy house, and uh -oh. uh, the rich kid does does piano lessons and stuff. Right. There's a piano above Like it. the real rich kid. Right. Mm -hmm. The real Henry Spatula. Spatula yeah. heiress. Yeah, or heir, yeah. I'm pulling it all together. You ready? Right, here we go, guys. It's all going to pay off. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. So the plan is right. they're going to play chopsticks on the piano. <gasps> right. 
that's the signal to like pull the lever, and then the piano is gonna fall from upstairs. Because, what? Yeah, onto Henry Spatula. <gasps> what? But Cody Roy, he would work the trap door <gasps> underneath Henry Spatula. Oh, oh my god, that's a genius plan. So the the doorbell rings. Right. Thank you for that. Totally <laughs> worthwhile. Yes. <laughs> it's actually red and Derek. They've come over to borrow a book. They're both wearing writing outfits. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> they wrote over. They have a big library room here at Henry Spatula's <laughs> So you hear chopsticks play. Right. Blink, but blink, they blink, know blink, the plan from the note from the future Eddie. Right. Uh-oh. Yeah. So the trap door goes off. Henry Spatula falls through the basement. Into the basement. Right. Through the <gasps> trap door. Onto some soft mattresses and pillows. Right. Like you do. And the trap door flies back up and then. Derek and Red are like, oh my gosh, where did he go? But as soon as Chopstick stops, the piano falls right onto Derek. <gasps> no! Murdering him. Oh, Again? No. Yes. But it's terrible. His eyeballs fly out of his sockets. They hit Red oh. in the face. Oh no. He never saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Red's just covered in blood. Oh. Yeah. And then since then, Red's been scared of chopsticks ever since. That makes complete sense. It does. Wait, so did Cody Roy catch the bad guys? Well, they foiled the plan, and right. they, they did have a slight wrestling match in the foyer of the giant mansion. I mean, a it is a giant one. mansion, yes. Right. But they got away again for ah. next week. Mm-hmm. So close. So thanks for going with me on this journey. Yeah, thanks for joining yeah. us on this week's episode of The Patreonicals. <laughs> Yep. This episode also brought to you by Rebecca. Rebecca. What's your pickup line this week? I've lost that loving feeling, Rebecca. Will Aww. you let me find it again? Aww. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that did nothing for Jen, Mikey. And guys, if your significant other has lost that love and feeling, maybe yeah. one way to get it back is to buy him or her some awesome Disney ears that you can buy at Straight on Tell Disney on Etsy, guys. So check it out. That's Rebecca's Etsy store. Yeah. And it's pretty great. This episode also brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? She wants an insult from Jen. Yes, she does. She does. I have to be mean to someone. So Ryan refuses to play board games with you. What? I know, man. Why? It Why? makes me, I don't know. It's like she doesn't want to play Simpsons Clue, because that's what I have. It's <laughs> the best game ever. I tried to play Simpsons Clue with her once, and she threw my board down and stomped on it. Wow. It- and then she took all the pieces and threw them in the river. Well, Ryan, that's sort of a dick move, but you know, know, I'll allow it. Maybe she shouldn't have came to a party with board games. Her real crime was just being a friend of yours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I found a music box. Oh, yeah? In a creepy attic. Oh, let's open it. Let's yeah, open it. Let's, it might be evil. Well, I but- think we can roll the dice. Okay. Open the music box. I'm going to look at this rubber ball. So I uh, have started recently dating again. Good for you. But I almost blew it with this girl. Uh-oh. Yeah, I downloaded a dating app or whatever. Right. I matched with a girl. Uh-huh. We like ended up texting. Uh-huh. Nice. And like she asked me like my birthday. So I was right. like, this is my birthday. <gasps> And then I proceeded to accidentally guess to the day her birthday. What? What? (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to how Mikey got his groove back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Horror Virgin, everybody. (laughs) I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies. And you guys make me watch them. And then we discuss. (laughs) And this week, you guys made me watch the 1980 Ghost Balls horror classic, (laughs) The Changeling. Yes. The prequel to the Angelina Jolie film. Yes. I actually think the Angelina Jolie film is the prequel because it takes place in the 20s, which is where the switcheroo oh. happens. We'll get into it. I have this whole Changeling okay. universe built in mm, my head. The so, Changelionicles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
So oh. have you guys seen this movie before? I hadn't seen it. This was my first time. Yes. I watched it at my grandparents' house with my cousins. You watch so many insane movies at your grandma's house. And then don't remember anything about this. <laughs> I was like seven. <laughs> you, did you like it when you were a kid, Mikey? For different reasons. I think I was really scared as a kid. And then I think I liked it now just because I, I think it was well made. Yeah. I mean, for like an early 80s movie, it is pretty well done. Like, yeah. I, I think George C. Scott like carries this film. I think mm-hmm. he does. I think he plays a, a very good, doesn't have anything to lose, sort of might want to die. Yeah, man, uh-huh. I yeah. think it's the only horror movie we've watched because I know a lot of horror movies we watch and we're like, why is this guy just being so nonchalant about this? Yeah, this establishes why George C. Scott just like gives zero fucks about being <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Jen, did you like it when you watched it tonight? I really did. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It definitely has the pacing of like a seventies ish, early eighties kind of movie. Yeah. But I think this one worked well because the type of story is made for pacing like that. You right. know. So yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really creepy. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. There were parts mm-hmm. where I was scared. And I really hate being scared. Yeah. So I didn't love this movie, but I get why like it's held up and people mm-hmm. still like it. When we posted the social share about it tonight, people were like, oh, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites right. it of a million times. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like, I understand why people have seen it so much. Mm-hmm. I would never watch this movie again without friends, <laughs> but it's only because there were parts that were spooky. And I hate saying that because I can say it's an 80s type of scary, right. which is nothing like Hereditary or The Nun mm-hmm. even, which is not a great movie, but it's just super scary. Right. It reminded me a lot of Amityville Horror. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except... Amityville oh. Horror had better leg warmers. Yes. Yeah. And better uh, Brolin Whitey type. And better, better Margot Kidder. <laughs> anyway, let's get into this fucking movie. Okay, so we start with a snowy scene. Yes, we do. Let me just ask a question as we start the movie. Did you guys ever see a phone booth in the middle of the street, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I haven't seen a phone booth since I was like 10 years old. I know, oh. right? It was insane, but it's like literally in the median of the street. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it there? I mean, I would assume because they didn't have cell phones back then, so they just built a lot of phone booths in a <laughs> lot of places. Just randomly? It's for plot purposes. Right, exactly. That's why. Anyway. But yeah, because they're on like a, sn- a wooded road. Yeah. Well, if you notice, they're standing next to a national park, so maybe there was like- Oh, a are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I the, didn't notice that. The sign they are crushed next to. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's like it's, it's like, snow shadowing. There could be like a building right there, like welcome, to like the welcome. That's fair. Center. Okay, mm. that's fair. I okay. did not notice. I will that. give them that. All right, asked and answered. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, so All George right. C. Scott's going to call someone in the payphone that <laughs> mm-hmm. he made his family. Did you guys notice that the wife and kid are in the back pushing, and he's like by the wheel driving? Mm-hmm. I get that. George C. Scott is an older gentleman. He looks to be in his sixties mm. in this film. Yeah, he has a young daughter and a young wife. Yeah, they probably don't want him to die. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that George C. Scott's the kind a guy who on a icy snowy hill will make his wife and daughter push from behind the car. He was pushing yeah. from the side. He just had his hand he on was. the steering wheel. I know, but if that car starts to roll backwards, Mikey, oh, yeah. he's going to jump in while it runs over his family. <gasps> I mean, not that they live too much longer. Anyway, right. let's get into it. <laughs> so George C. Scott's on the phone calling the mm. police or anyway, like a tow truck or yeah. whatever. And then he sees a snowplow yes. of destiny. And then, and then the uh, truck swerves out of the way of a speeding mm. car or right. whatever. Right. A car lost control. Right. And then right. he is trapped in a glass cage of emotions uh-huh. as the salt truck slams into the back of his car. Well, his wife, the kid was playing kind of on the road, so the wife runs out there, grabs yes. the kid, and just like squeezes him mm-hmm. real tight. It's a her, but yeah, so squeezes the little right. girl real mm-hmm. tight, and then their car careens into them, and they become what Mikey said. Snow angels. Yes. Aww. 
<laughs> but oh, I thought man. they were okay because they went into like a snowbank, and I was yeah. like, "They're so snow's and soft." But they're not because the car hit them. Yeah, they were hit yeah. by a like two ton truck, and then hit another car, which hit yeah. you know. And there's there a lot of inertia in going into them. Yeah, and yeah. then it like fades away, and that's like the yeah. first scene. This cold open or snowy open, mm-hmm. if you will, Jen. Oh, I will. In like the span of two minutes. George C. Scott's family is assaulted by a salt uh, truck and they're killed. I see oh what you gosh. did. You're yeah. welcome, Mikey. Also, and he's salty about it. it for the rest of the movie. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think he smiles again the rest of the movie. No, but you get it. Like, listen, this mm-hmm. movie takes place like four months after that event. Uh-huh. Yeah. This person's not going to smile again for years. Aww. And he is clearly suicidal because during the ball scene, we'll get to it. He's thinking, I made George <laughs> Bailey into the that. river. He did not do that. <laughs> That's a lot. Now, but during the opening credits, he does, he's not even looking both ways. He just walks out into traffic. I know, yeah. yeah. So, like, the next thing we see is, like, the opening credits, and he's walking through this school, mm-hmm. uh, which we find out later is, like, a music conservatory yeah, program so. sort of school. And he's a composer. We don't find that out until a little bit later. But mm-hmm. he's walking through this, and he literally crosses a street, not, like, at the walk sign. Like, right. the light is green. If there's a car coming, he's going to get smushed. We call that passively suicidal. <laughs> in the in biz. The biz. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in a good place. He's right. feeling he's a lot not. of grief. And then I think the movie opens in New York and then he moves to Seattle. I think it's I New think York. So, yeah. 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 It's in the big city. It's in the big city. Well, I mean, Seattle's country. still a big city. I think one of the big strengths of this movie is that it tells the story really well and it explains things really well. Agreed. I think so too. Well, the next thing that happens is he's in his old New York apartment and we see oh, him yeah. having flashbacks That's of his right. daughter and she throws a red striped ball at him. Yeah. Which well, is a little bit of ball shadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's having this vision of a memory, I'm assuming, right. mm-hmm. of his daughter and her, him playing catch mm-hmm. around a piano in like a library type room. Not right. a great place to play catch. But right. uh, the maid or whatever mm-hmm. knocks over the box that has the thing in it mm-hmm. and the ball starts bouncing towards him and he picks it up. It's actually yeah. a pretty well done scene. It's it pretty is. sad. And it establishes that he's moving to Seattle. Yeah, also. that he's leaving. and comes yeah. from his New York apartment all packed up yes. to this yeah. scene where he's sitting in like a living room with his friends. Yeah, right. he, he clearly has moved to Seattle to take a job that they help him get. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they just seem like sort of stand-up, really nice people. I don't they think do. we ever see them again. I don't think we no. do either. But they're, they do a good job. Their whole purpose is, Dorsey Scott's kind of an open book because he sits down and he's like, yeah. uh, a couple months into that whole thing, I started grieving uncontrollably and I yeah. needed a fresh start so I'm really glad you helped me find a job out here. And then they say, right. I have a friend who works at the Historical Society, maybe they can yeah. help you find a house. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Boom. Movie setup. Yeah. Premise. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, like the friends literally drop the mic on the premise and then you never see them again. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but they do a great job and I honestly like, if this is, movie came out in the 80s, the fact that he's a man talking about his feelings in that sort of way is like mm-hmm. really before it's time. Well, they cut out 50 minutes of him chopping wood <laughs> before he moved to Seattle. I think his chopping wood is solving a ghost story. I think it mm, is. I think so, too. Joke. so mm-hmm. the chopping wood reference is obviously from The Witch. If you haven't yeah. seen that, that's where it's from. But he is solving this mystery to sort of distract him from his grief. Okay, so now he's standing outside of a terribly haunted, creepy house that yeah. no one would ever want to set foot in. If I could paint a picture of a haunted house, that mm-hmm. would be it. Exactly. Everything's overgrown and it's right. like all decrepit and awful and Mikey probably hates the decor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to be bought by the Historical Society, at least put a fresh coat of white paint on the outside. Yeah, rich one percenters that run the <laughs> Historical Society. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the whole outside of the house is great. The inside's pretty good. They get yeah. the inside looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Well, and honestly, when he walks through it in this scene and he's talking to the female lead character. Claire. Right. Claire. Since she's saying like, here's this room and here's this room and here's the music room. This is why I thought of you because uh-huh. you are a composer of mm-hmm. some renowned. Right. Yeah. And he's like, cool. This is going to be perfect. I'll take it or whatever. And she's like, great. We'll work. 
work out the lease during that scene she talks about how they didn't really know what to do with that space they were going to turn it into a museum and they just hadn't decided what to do with the space so I can sort of see why it's a little bit more run down Uh but before he moves in there's like a quick montage of them sort of fixing it up yeah so it doesn't look like that when he moves in it's a lot for the weekend (laughs) Mr. Tuttles is working hard on it yeah Mr. Tuttles working for the weekend yeah everybody needs a haunted house (laughs) and he gets one for sure but it's gigantic it is and it's so funny because he's probably got like one seat all all houses are important Jim oh that's true Um, but all the size of the house it takes you so long to walk through at the (laughs) like enough already okay Um, this house is gigantic it's probably like four stories and has like wings and everything but yeah I would never want to live in a house that big as one person as one person he's probably got like one suitcase (laughs) yeah he travels light when his family got murdered I do it there's no way there's too many empty houses you can't account for all that space exactly somebody Uh could be living in your house the entire time and you would never know I'd do it Well, I can't argue with that, Mikey. There is at least one person who is experiencing homelessness and then squatting in that place that dies in the fire exactly. at the end that he never met because they were the house is just too big. That's the exactly. guy that plays the music box at the end. That's the sequel. We get the, that backstory. Yeah. It's the changelings, changelings. Dollar, dollar sign. sign. Absolutely. If my wife and daughter got killed in a horrible accident, I want a house big enough where my cries echo off the walls. I like that in this story, someone married you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You'll find somebody, Mikey. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now we cut to him being moved in and he's playing the piano and we see like Mr. Tuttle and a cleaning lady who's never yeah, going to be Yeah, that's sort again. of like the mm-hmm. montage where they're fixing up the place. The, yeah, yeah, it's to the other half of working for the weekend. Yeah. Um, yes. And then he moves away and we get a piano close up. And I called it. You did. I was like, this is the first haunting. It's going to play a key. Mm-hmm. And it did. It played one of the keys. It was the key of E. Was it E? evil. Oh, I thought it was D for... Poor dick. Demon. Yeah, Demon. Demon. Uh, I was going to say oh, Demon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just got... You obviously clearly have something on your mind, Jen. I mean, wow. you know. Wow. <laughs> that is the key of D. Yeah. Okay, so now he shows up to his new class. And I really liked this part. I like this part, too, because there's yeah. only supposed to be 23 students in there. Right. And it's packed. Like, literally standing room only people uh-huh. sitting in the aisles they are like standing in the back mm-hmm. and i think he handles it very well i think so too he is at a music conservatory type school like yeah i could see him being a small celebrity in that community exactly yeah. this is why i like george he's got this because he made a few jokes about it mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, he, he's he's like, we'll see great. what happens next week but, yeah but you could just tell he's like completely sad and broken inside mm-hmm. yeah he does a good job it just yeah. makes a lot of jokes i really related his character <laughs> <laughs> because he's just making jokes through the pain, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact early. He's actually playing that piece. He learned Is to he? play that piece on the piano for that scene. Really? Because mm-hmm. he's yeah. playing the piano later in the in the movie, and mm-hmm. he does a great job. He really does, and I'm always impressed when people actually play piano. Me too, or like, any musical instrument, really, because that's exactly. just not easy. But I mean, they're there because he is a composer. Like, all those right. students are there because he is a composer, and mm-hmm. they're fans of his work, I guess. Right. It's like if John Williams were, like, teaching a class, and yeah. he's like, eh, I think you might know a little bit of a song like this, and then he plays... Right. And then it smash cuts to a symphony playing. Yeah. It, right? It's like that, mm-hmm. but the George C. Scott version exactly. of that. So it's a song you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to that symphony scene and mm. they're there and you see like, I don't know how rich people act at the symphony, but like, like <laughs> I, they yes. act exactly like this in my mind. They I don't do. know if they do. Anyway, they sort of form up into circles and George uh-huh. C. Scott's there with the lady from the historical society. Yeah, Claire. Claire. Mm-hmm. And they're drinking and they're mm-hmm. talking and he's talking about how the symphony did a great job with mm-hmm. his piece or whatever. 
I like the head of the fundraising committee at the Anthony's like, did you hear that orchestra? They did damn good. Give us your money. <laughs> is that Senator Carmichael? I honestly can't remember, and that's so far Ooh. in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, because you're right, because they're like, he's on the board of the historical. Yeah. Society. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. 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 So he's driving home from the symphony, and he decides to try out parking in his brand new garage. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> he has to park his car and then get out and then open both doors of this garage and then pull his car back in, close the door of the car, then close one door <laughs> of the garage, and then close the other door of the garage, all moving very slowly. And it's raining, so he's already wet. Yeah. And, and then walk, walk the 40 and then yards back to his house. 50 miles yeah. to the front door of He his has house. to catch a lift back to the, his front door. <laughs> it's the worst garage ever. And then he never parks in it again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to walk in the rain so no one could see him cry. That's a real Mikey move right there. Yeah. <laughs> and so we start to see him hearing noises in the house. And I right. think the first time we hear him, he's asleep and it yes. wakes him up. In the because morning. the first two times you hear it, he's asleep. And at 6 a.m. on the mm-hmm. button bong, is when you hear the bang. Bong, yeah. Bong, yeah. Right. Just pipes. It sort of sounds like someone banging the top of a piano. Uh, because oh, yeah. it sort mm-hmm. of sounds like you hear the strings rattling. We right. find out what it is later, but I that's mean, the sound effect it sounds yeah. like. To me, it sounds like metal pipes. It could mm-hmm. be because Tuttle thinks it is the furnace. Yeah. Which sort of makes sense. Maybe the furnace is kicking on and it's mm-hmm. causing bangs or whatever. So now we cut to him playing piano again and he's playing a delightful little song, which is song shadowing. Yes, it and is. We're going to hear this song come back too. Right. Mm-hmm. He's writing a song. That's uh-huh. what he's doing. He's yeah. recording it. He's Composing. got a, a little like reel to reel recorder, mm-hmm. which is a really old piece of technology. So, <laughs> really? Yeah, it really, really <laughs> is old. Anyway, yeah. so he's recording it there too. <laughs> All right. So he's playing the piano riskily with his back to the door. And Mistake. We, yeah, exactly. We find out immediately why. And I loved this because the door starts opening and it's just opening like normal. And I thought for a minute it might be Mr. Tuttle. Yeah. But no. No. It's no one. It's just the door. <laughs> it's just a door opening. It's the haunting, right? And it then is, yeah. That part wasn't scary at all. And then you hear like a... Right. Like really quickly, and that scared the shit out of me. That part scared me, though, because that ghost isn't just cracking the door. It's like opening it all the way. Like, that's the first, one of the first things we see the ghost do. He's not fucking around. He opens the door and then farts. Not my ghost. You have to open the door all the way. (laughs) Right. So the ghost wheelchair gets through. Oh, my God. That's what it was. That's why they had to open the door the whole way, Jen. Ghost chair. Ghost chair. George C. Scott never yells. He's like, "Uh, Mr. Tuttle. And then Mr. Tuttle hears him from outside and comes inside. Yeah. Which is insane, (laughs) Mikey. Mm -hmm. He opens the door with the bucket. He's like, uh, I heard my name, I think, on the wind. Right. <laughs> Are you looking for me? I'm Mr. Tuttle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but he says there's nobody else here. Yeah, Mr. Tuttle says there's right. nobody else here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to live in a place where I have to ask someone, is there no one else here? I don't, because that's how you get murdered. Yeah. So now he's playing the piece again, and then, you Claire's there. Yes. With her riding boots. And Claire... she's just ridden over. Well, and riding pants. Let's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Claire's looking to write it. Uh, that's yeah. all I'm saying. She's a fan she of George C. Scott. Ladies yeah. love a broken man. Trust me. <laughs> oh, Trust me. Ladies. That's a card Mikey has played a more than once. <laughs> it's the only card I have. Aww. And it works. And it's broken. Right. So... <laughs> So she, Claire gets there and she's got a bunch of portraits to hang in this house. Yes. And she just starts snooping around in his desk and pulls out his red rubber ball with the white stripe. And right. he's like, oh, it reminds me of my daughter. No, he said it's my daughter's ball. Yeah. She's pretty flirty. I mean, she is. But nice and not weird about it. No, exactly. I, I don't it's, think it's she's really weird. It's a really sweet relationship. Is, yeah. you know? It's honestly, I think, one of the best horror relationships I think we've watched. I think so too. So, anyway, he asks, Are you going to go writing? And she, and she says, Well, yes. Why, well, yes, I am. Don't mind Would you if like I do. to join me? Or yeah. whatever, and then he puts on his adventure jacket, right, uh-huh. which is a brown corduroy jacket that only comes out when he goes on adventures. Right, right exactly. Which and means they- he wears it half the movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, but yeah, it made yeah. me realize I need an adventure blazer. As mm-hmm. do I, Mikey. Mm-hmm. 
So it cuts to the next scene, and they are riding horses. Uh-huh. By like a little They're lake. Ponies. It's nice. Yeah, she's riding yeah. that pony for sure. Walking their horses. Like they just stop, mm-hmm. and he talks to her about his daughter some. No, he mm-hmm. he zones out. He looks yeah. very sad. And he she, does the whole. Movie I think it's just does. to build their relationship because she stops and is like, "Hey, what's bothering you?" Mm-hmm. And he's talking. He's like, "Oh, my daughter loved horses. I'm kind of thinking about her." And right. like she's she offers some supportive words. Yeah, so right. that kind of develops their uh, friendship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I do like again, it's a man in the '80s talking about his feelings. Right, that's not normal. That's kind of cool. It is. Is this when it comes to him crying in bed? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh yeah, home. it does. Yeah. So he goes home and he's sobbing in Which bed. Which presumably he's been doing since he got back from riding horses with Claire. No, I, I assume he's doing like a forgetting Sarah Marshall thing upstairs. <laughs> I I am really relating to this guy. <laughs> You've done this recently. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like that they see him crying. Yeah, again, know? it's another emotional display in an, a movie that came out in 1980. That's exactly. awesome. But you know who doesn't like him crying? The, the ghost. ghost. <laughs> the ghost is over it and yeah. starts beating that bathtub. I'll give you something to cry about my murder. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does. Yeah. That's yeah. the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but George C. Scott's not on the case yet because he calls in Tuttle to look at the furnace. Right. I think, I think this is when the ghost is like, I think this guy's going to help me because he's in touch with his feelings. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they I, say at one point he's using that pain to try to communicate with yeah. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Ghosts like broken men. Yeah. <laughs> and broken men like the ghosts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh. Mikey is single, ladies. <laughs> so now Mr. Tuttle and George C. Scott are down in the boiler room. So they're figuring out it's probably not the pipes, but houses just make noises. Yeah, yeah. and Tuttle's like, well, the furnaces sort of have a mind of their own. They have little routines, and uh-huh. so it's not super uncommon that it would bang as it turns on, and maybe right. it just turns on at 6 a.m. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. They sort of explain away the sound, right? And then we see a string quartet playing in his music room, and it made me so happy because yeah. I love string quartets. Those are his, I would assume, some of his students, students maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're playing the piece he wrote. They did. And that he's we playing will along. hear later. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's playing it on piano and they're recording it. Right. So they're leaving and it's raining and he starts to hear more noises as he walks back in. We find out that the faucet in the sink is running. Yeah. And he goes and turns them off, right? He has mm-hmm. to walk from the bottom floor to the second floor to like the yeah. very top floor. He just kept going up steps. <laughs> you're like, how, how many floors does this house have? I know. Have? Is this the house from Gremlins? Like, right. How many times does he go up these steps anyway? <laughs> it would take me a long time to realize I was haunted because I definitely have like left faucets on and so I'd be like oh I left the kitchen faucet on and then I would hear more water be like I left the bathroom sink on then I would be like the tub too I'm such an idiot (laughs) yeah you very well could be haunted (laughs) oh my god but the Adderall works good. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing, but with kitchen cabinets. Oh, kitchen I cabinets is even Yeah. Natalie complains about it all the time, that I, I leave the cabinets open Oh, all it the doesn't time. matter what I cook. I come back in after eating to the kitchen, and all the cabinets are open. I'm like, <gasps> why did I do this? I hate myself. <laughs> okay. I think it's very possible that we're haunted. I didn't leave the yeah. toilet seat up, babe. <laughs> we're haunted, clearly. You're just going to use it as an excuse. Right? You have to burn down your apartment every month. I, I like that Jen is not laughing. I know. She's the only one that's like, no, yeah. this is ridiculous. Own up to your mistakes. Oh, I forgot your anniversary. We're haunted. <laughs> that's why it's called ghosting. It doesn't work that I way, I wish guys. you could hear Jen shaking her head and rolling her eyes at us. Oh, my God. I also want to note that at this scene, he walked past a mirror and his reflection scared Todd. Oh, man. Listen, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't even know it was a mirror. And I did jump a little bit. But mm. I get scared at scary movies. Well, he's running from faucet to faucet that there's no way he turned on. Exactly. But the person who's experiencing homelessness in his house clearly did. Mm-hmm. So he's running upstairs and then he gets to the bathroom where he yeah. turns the 
tan water off. Mm. Don't mm-hmm. take a bath in tan water. No. It was 1980. But so he sees a running faucet in a sink and a running faucet in a bathtub. And as he's looking in that, he sees like a flash of a boy's face under the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The boy is so young, you mm. honestly can't really tell what gender it is. Right. But it, you can tell it's someone who was drowned. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And his response is just to slowly back out of the room. Which is the correct start of the response, right? right? You got to back out of the room, but the, you then immediately go to the bottom floor because mm-hmm. fire travels up exactly. and light that shit on fire and leave. Not him. He's like, I hate life. Come and get me, bro. And listen, I actually do sort of agree with that. <laughs> I understand why he doesn't. He's like, listen, if I die, I die. I don't really care. <laughs> right. But let's have a mystery in the process. Yeah, he's basically right. like, keep this tub off. And then he just backs out of the room. He handles all of the haunting better. He really does. Absolutely. I think the ghost was just trying to drown out the sound of the tears. <laughs> so now he's talking to Claire on the roof of the Historical Society building and it is the coolest it thing. It is a dope shot, man. It's it really great. is. I want to live cool. on this roof. Me too. It's really cool. And honestly, George C. Scott should move to that he roof should. because his house is haunted. That one's haunted too. It's haunted with that nosy lady who's yeah. like, you shouldn't live there. That house doesn't want people. No, it doesn't. What is her name? Huxley or something? It, it's Huxter or Huxter. Huxley. Huxley. Yeah. Something like that. I called her Huxter because I her name her was close lady. to that. Yeah. yeah, but so they're standing on this rooftop thing talking about like what the fuck is up with this house. And it's so cool because it's a garden room and we can see inside to where the office is. And we can see both of the streets because it's one of those like flat iron kind of buildings. Yeah. It's awesome. And two streets are on either it, side of it. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, he's like, what's mm. happened at the house? I think right. some weird stuff's going on yeah. at the house. And she's like, you've been in a lot of grief. Do you think you're seeing things? Yeah, yeah. Right. But they're really sweet about it to each other. It's not like one of those stereotypical scenes in a horror movie where like, why don't you believe me? Yeah. Right. He's just like, no, nah, I don't know about that. Yeah, right. like, listen, I've Can been through a lot. you just like, let me know like who lived there or whatever? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the house. The this house is where is the mystery sort of starts. Yeah. It is, right? yeah. And then the huckster harbinger comes up. Yes. And says, that house was never supposed to be rented and Claire did the wrong thing. It's not meant for people to it's live there. It's not yeah. meant for people. It's- the thing that drives me crazy, though, is like she says all that and then just turns around and walks away. And if I was George C. Scott, I would 1000% follow the huckster and be like, all right, if I'm not supposed to live there, cool, I'll move. If it's haunted, I don't want to live there anyway. Right. Tell me about everything you know about the house. Right. All right. So now he's back at the house and he's going outside and something crashes through a window at him and he sees a little bit of red glass. I don't know if something crashes through the window or the window just explodes out. Right. I thought at first it was the ball. Me too, but yeah. there's nothing else there except it's for the, the red glass yeah. that is in the attic window. Yes. And he takes, I don't know, conservatively 30 minutes scanning the house trying to find <laughs> which like, pane of glass. Because there are 5,000 windows. I know, but they show us right. all of that. Why why do they show us him scanning all those windows anyway? But he does find it's the attic window that has the red panes in it. Mm-hmm. And because the ghost is in pain, they smash it out towards him. Right. Goes upstairs to investigate. <laughs> if I die, I die. Whatever. And yeah, he's whatever. opening one of 5,000 doors in this house. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he finds a closet. And then he sees the part of the closet wall is boarded up. He hears wind from the open window. <gasps> yeah. And it's like, it's shelving, right? Right. And so he mm-hmm. starts ripping down the shelving to mm-hmm. reveal <gasps> that closet is actually not a closet. It's doorception. Ooh. And there are two doors. Mm-hmm. Like, within three feet of each other. And I would move out of the house right now. Immediately. Exactly. If I open a door and it was cobweb city up a staircase of terror into a room full of devil. It was locked not, too. Yeah. He had to break a lock exactly. with a hammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would never go up there. By right. the way, George C. Scott cannot hammer for shit. No. At least he didn't call Mr. Tuttle to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's that true. Is true. He yeah. is a 1% man of action. But yeah. I love it because he's hammering 
in tempo and then yes. the bongs start happening yes. and it's like the ghost is hammering too and then he's like oh okay we're together on this right and then he yeah. hammers yeah, hammers and the lock pops open and it stops with ghost magic one yeah. thing I do like about the movie is that the ghost and George C. Scott are sort of on the same team which is very strange for mm-hmm. a haunted house movie so I sort of like that quite a bit I do too and so he hammers open the door finally alright <laughs> so he's about to open the door but it opens by itself which is no wait he smashes into oh, the door twice, right. yeah. and then and it, it opens. opens. That scene is actually really cool, especially for like 1980. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's like an extra behind <laughs> the door, like as he slams into it twice. Yeah, like Phil's got a nosebleed now. <laughs> <laughs> he like blows out someone's shoulder from yeah. the other side of the door, and then they open it. But it was very creepy. It, it was, was very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now he goes up to a terrible staircase with a bunch of cobwebs, and he sees a terrible looking room up there too. There's a ton of cobwebs here. Yes, like there is. so much that it looks like the room has been hosed down by a fire extinguisher made of cobwebs. <laughs> it's like an Indiana Jones cave. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah. looks like. And so there's an old-timey wheelchair and like a desk with like a rolling top and then like a blackboard. So it's like this old kid's room and it's yes. got some toys and stuff. And it looks really creepy. It's it like really does. If you banished your kid to the tower and you lived in a castle. That's what it felt right. like to mm-hmm. me. They find a little music box yes. and he opens the music box and it starts playing the very same piece that he was playing earlier. Right. He wrote. Yeah. He wrote that mm-hmm. piece. Or he thought he did. But the he ghost did, yeah. yeah. He had a ghostwriter. Oh, oh, nailed it. Yes. <laughs> so but he brings over Claire to let her hear the uh-huh. music box because he brings it downstairs clearly. Yeah. And he's playing the tape and the music box at the same time right. from the recording. So it's like same tempo, same key. Uh-huh. And it just, everything lines up perfectly. I thought it right. was very, very cool. So Claire's over confirming that this is the same song. And they're talking about it a little bit. And he's saying something in this house is trying to communicate with me. So now he's got a mystery that's keeping him occupied. Yeah. So Claire immediately wants to go see the room. So instead of going up there right now, they wait until it is dark and stormy and thundery and terrible. Well, she had to ride her horse there, so it takes her a while. <laughs> right. And there are like 20. 20- Many staircases they have to go up. So now they're going into this room, which is now five times more terrifying because of all the storms and lightning and darkness. So they find something that says it was 1909 and that there was a child living in here. And they're like, oh, okay, that's normal. And then they walk out and we see a pan to the wheelchair and it moves or the cobwebs like move off of it or something. And it's super creepy. It's just the, it's just the ghost dusting it off. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Get ready to go. He's going to need that for later. He is. <laughs> so now they're investigating at the Historical Society. They're looking at records or yeah. whatever. It's yeah. like a musical montage to everybody's investigating for the weekend. <laughs> They're like, there's missing files. Yeah, right. I can't find anything before 1920. So they go mm-hmm. to the library. That yeah. they do. Wait, Mean Lady tells them that there was a man named Bernard who lived there, and he had a son and a daughter, and their family had a tragedy and then sold the house. Yeah. And now it's microfiche time. It is. And I love a good microfiche investigation <laughs> montage. It's amazing. Microfiche investigating for the- We're going to get sued by Loverboy. <laughs> oh, 100%. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got dozens of dollars. <laughs> so do they. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right, so microfiche time, and they're researching the house, and they find out that the daughter, there was a daughter who was struck by a passing coal cart. What's a coal cart? It's a, a cart, cart full of coal. Is yeah. that a real question? <laughs> well, they had a driver. It was like an old-timey car. <laughs> yeah. It was a cart full of coal. Yeah. Those, those are on tracks, though, right? Coal can be transported in many ways, Yeah, Mikey. Carts are not always on track. But do you exactly. think it was like horsebound or like he was just pushing? Maybe. How is one man pushing a cart of coal into a house? I think it probably was a horse-drawn cart. I think so, too. It's a horse-drawn coal cart. We are really digging into this. <laughs> and honestly, 
that is a whole murder misdirection. It is. Because that is not right. how this person That's died. That's not even the murder child right. we're talking about. Right. And I don't understand. I just, <laughs> is it on tracks? No, it's a horse-drawn <laughs> coal cart. So wouldn't it be like a horse accident, not a coal cart accident? Well, it's a whole thing. They just shortened it to coal cart. Maybe it was it like was- 1909. You think it was like a like a car? No. Like, like a motorized car? <laughs> no. It's a cart. It's a cart. With coal in it. They say it's a coal cart. It's, like, it's heavy. How are they moving it? A horse. What is happening? So she got hit by the horse, not the cart? Well, maybe, maybe it was backing up and ran over. Oh, this yeah. is, none of this matters. <laughs> How like, is the horse backing up the cart? <laughs> it's a murder misdirection. Like, this exactly. murder does not matter. In fact, I don't think she All dies. All murders matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that she dies because this is not discussed in the movie no, anymore. She, no, really. she dies she later oh, in the she hospital. she does die? Okay. Yeah. That's right. She succumbed. Murder. Yeah. She succumbed she to her injuries. Yeah. But that's not mm-hmm. the kid who died that's causing the haunting. Yeah. So yeah. None that's of just that the matters. one that's on record. Right. Mm-hmm. So none of that matters. Because the news article blames the driver. <gasps> How can... is he? Is he driving like a car? <laughs> no. It is a goddamn coal cart, Mikey. <laughs> I mean, she could have gotten kicked by the horse and then fell, fell down, down a well, well and, and then, then ran over yeah. by the coal cart. Why would they blame the driver? Because he was driving the horse. <sighs> All right. We're investigating microfiche. Right. Now that we're to the bottom of the coal conspiracy. So they go to the cemetery to confirm right. Cora's coal cart murder. But he says, oh, it's just like Kathy, who was his daughter. So I think now, like, not only is he in- intrigued by this haunting, but he's also like, this could be kind of a way to, like, help his daughter. You sure. Know? Or he's sort like, of work through the grieving process exactly. of that help of spirit who is not mm-hmm. passed on because they have this problem. He even exactly. has a conversation with Claire, which is yeah. like, I think it's talking to me because it knows that I lost Kathy and right. so I think it understands mm-hmm. that I understand. In a right. similar way. <gasps> it was a coal truck. <gasps> it wasn't a salt truck. Oh no! <gasps> Isn't this also where we see, obviously the girl who got run over by the coal cart. Mm-hmm. We also see the dad's grave here, right? Yes. Yeah. The, so the we know the dad is already dead too. The two parents and the girl. Yes. Yes. But not not a little boy. Right. So for right now, we think that the ghost is the, the girl. girl. Right. right. Because we assume the little boy is just a grown up man now. Exactly. Right. So now he's looking through his photo album and like reminiscing and working through his grief. Because he's like looking at pictures of his wife and kid, right? Right. Which yeah. again, I love liked seeing that. Yeah. This is like a realistic way that people work through their grief and trauma. Yeah. And so he hears bong, 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 bong. And there's the ball has now bounced down the stairs. Called that one too. I knew His daughter's uh-huh. red ball. Yes. Yeah. Which was downstairs. It was. And he yes. goes to confirm that it is the very same ball. And it is, right? Because he goes to where it was. it's not in the desk right. anymore. Yeah. Right. And so he does the logical thing. He gets in his car, which is like a hundred feet away from the door. <laughs> and he drives to the river and pulls over and throws the ball in the river. Yeah. Yeah, he literally pulls a maverick at the end of Top Gun <laughs> and throws the ball into the river like it's Goose's dog tags. Aww. Here's what seriously bothers me about this scene. Uh-oh. Does it bother you? It bothers me. <laughs> seriously. Here's what seriously bothers me about this right. scene. He doesn't rear back and throw the ball as hard as he can. He mm. just drops he it. He just drops it like... I mean, he's a composer. But yeah, but like, who's not gonna throw a ball off the bridge? Maybe he's afraid the dog that's swimming in the water will fetch it and bring it back. It would be very funny if he throws it and then like a dog just jumps after it and like brings it back to him. Yeah. Oh, and he has to throw it again. But much like a dog who is retrieving the ball for Uh him, as he comes back to the house, he sees the ball falling down the steps again. I would immediately burn the house down at that point. Right. The ball's wet. 
Yeah, it, it is. is wet because mm-hmm. it came from the haunted river. He just picks the ball at me and said, like a champion. He's like, yeah. oh, kill me if you want, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> he is fine with it. Like, he does not care, which I like. Yeah. So now he's worked out a fancy seance party. Yeah, that's right. Because he yeah. talked to some psychic researcher dude. Exactly. And he's recommended that 1% that can actually do it. Mm-hmm. So she comes over with her husband. So she he does. invites the psychic, yes. her husband, his bestie Claire. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And then some random chick he just wants to scare the shit out of the old evil lady (laughs) yeah Yeah. the seance virgin oh man she was the seance (laughs) virgin she was her only job there is to be terrified (laughs) because during this seance she has no lines Uh she is just there to be like oh my god what is happening Mm -hmm. he didn't even like her no he hates her I don't understand how this happened (laughs) I get Claire because Claire's your best yeah Mm -hmm. and the psychic and her husband and I'm pretty sure until like tonight Claire's just going along with this because it thinks it's part of his grief and she's kind of into him yeah she's super into him him. she just really likes his music yeah that's what broken he, no she doesn't even like his music she just like that he's broke she's definitely like i could fix this mm-hmm. yeah exactly because she, she's not with the music conservatory she's with That's the historical true. society right. and she is getting a little up there in age she's living with her mom i mean she, she needs out i mean she's living basically at great gardens <laughs> she mom. is one of the golden girls <laughs> She's Blanche. <laughs> so before the fancy seance starts, I love how the psychic lady goes up to this haunted, terrible cobweb stairs. Yeah, like everyone sits down at this exactly. table that, they ha- that he has prepared, right? Uh-huh. But she's just like boning up the steps exactly. right to the haunted place. It's part of her process. <laughs> and so she opens the door and she's like, nope. And then she just backs <laughs> she the fuck up. She so hard. I love that She does, that and so I would do much. that too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, and I would have left immediately. Down. Yeah, and then thrown <laughs> matches on my way out the door. Right, you just say it's part of the seance. Yeah, definitely. Stay here. Exactly. All right. So (laughs) it's seance time. Can I set the stage? The seance table. Bunch of pencils. Bunch of paper. Recording equipment. Terrified lady. Yeah, terrified lady not involved at all. (laughs) All right, exactly. Claire. Doesn't even want to be there. Just staring at what's-his-face. Yeah, very dreamily. John C. Scott's like, I know I'm haunted. This is going to happen. Right. Ghost translator. Dude, I love the husband-wife dynamic, Uh the the medium and her husband, because she's literally just scribbling on paper, Mm -hmm. and then he, when she's done scribbling on the paper, like, rips the paper away and then resets her arm like a typewriter. If he just made the ring sound effect, uh-huh. it would be perfect. Yeah, and then she just keeps scribbling. And yeah. I love how she's just scribbling and staring right in front of her and eventually, like, sometimes it makes words. It's very you know? crazy. Yeah, it most of the time really it cool. just scribbles. It mm-hmm. is. And then as she asks questions of the ghost, it'll respond and she'll write the response. Exactly, right? yeah. And so some of the questions you're asking um, ask, will you speak to us? And she writes yes. And she says, what are you, what's your name? Are you Cora? And it writes no. No, I'm not Cora. Because the Ghost is not Cole Cart Cora. Right. It's Joseph, her older brother. And she's asking, did you die in this house? And how did you die? And he, we just keep hearing, help, 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 John, yeah. help, help, help. And then she goes paper crazy and the papers just scatter everywhere. Yes. And then we see a POV shot of somebody, maybe or floating, maybe not floating, a ghost. Floating down the steps. Yeah, moving yeah, floating, down like the steps yeah. towards the seance. Yes. And so now we're moving to the second stage of the seance. Yes. Where apparently there's just a giant metal phallic <laughs> symbol in the middle of the table. So weird. So it starts shaking and she's still asking questions. She keeps asking how he died and we don't really 
hear anything and she's not writing anymore. And so she also asks, um, why do you remain in this house? And then a glass shoots off the table and smashes in the fireplace. That was such a cool effect. Yeah. It was it, really cool. It floats all the way back to the fireplace and you see it and it doesn't look like it's spinning. It's just like hovers over there. It's impressive. Well, it's going right. fast. So it, it like shoots like a bullet. Too. Yeah, right. it's very fast. And so then we immediately cut back to the table and everybody's gone. It, it makes no sense. It's a very strange cut. I was like, did everyone dissipate? I like, know. where are they? They flew into the fireplace with a glass, too. <laughs> I think what happened was they all just noped out of the house super fast. Uh-huh. Because I do think one of the chairs is spinning on one leg. Right. And there's like a Claire-sized <laughs> hole in the wall. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Dorsey's got, after his glass flies out, he's just like, all right, everybody out. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's time for a little heart-to-heart with the ghost. <laughs> they all start crying for you. He's like, man up. <laughs> and get out. Get out. So now he's going back to listen to the, to the recording they made of this and exactly. his reel-to-reel thing. This was weird because I didn't notice the husband saying no to the first question. Oh, so didn't? it just sounded like the I was like the ghost has a really yeah. weird voice. The husband's job was just to read the paper, the right. ghost papers. Yeah, no, that was the husband's no. voice. But in the very breathy sort of sound that happens no. between the medium lady asking the question and the mm. husband very weirdly, as you say, with his weird voice, Jen, yeah. saying no, you hear the answer in sort of a right. very airy sort of wind type sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And here's Joseph. Yeah. And he says house. And he says, my room, can't walk, not at rest, can't walk. And then the question is, how did you die? And he says, father. Yeah. Yeah. George C. Scott, he's rewinding it and listening to it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah. Got yeah. this. Yeah, and he's starting to kind of see what's happening. And we keep hearing the boy say, well, we'll find out as a boy saying, father, don't. And then we see a flashback of a father up in that attic room. Yes. And a boy in a bathtub. And he, it's terrible. It is terrible. He picks the boy up by the feet and drowns him in the bathtub. And yeah. it's really, it's awful. Yeah. It's not really graphic. It's not, it's, oh, it's just really disturbing. I thought that it was graphic. Well, no, I mean, it's not like bloody or like gory or anything right. like but that. But it is but disturbing. It's, it's You're really watching disturbing. people drown is like, to me, scarier than watching someone get cut up or something. Yeah, so this is where we see the kids sort of banging the sides mm-hmm. of the tub. We start to put the banging together with yeah. the sounds that he's been hearing. Yes, yeah. because the banging of the sides is the banging mm-hmm. on that he's been it's hearing like the whole time. like a brass tub or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then we see a picture of his, his face underwater. And that's the face from earlier. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we hear he says Joseph Carmichael. And so now George C. Scott is understandably very upset because he just watched a child being murdered. Yeah. And so he walks forever to go to use the telephone and he calls Claire and I wrote, oh, she's his person now. Yeah. <laughs> she's his go-to person at Seattle. Yeah. But I mean, he is new there. Exactly. He doesn't really have any other friends and Claire's his bestie. Right. They ride it together. And it's sweet. Ride or die. Uh, yeah. He tries to ask her to come over and then he just passes out. But then she does come over. Yeah, mm-hmm. she does. Because she she's does. cool. And then, and then what he does, he just sits in the parlor <laughs> Smoking a cigarette yeah. and has her in a different room listening to the whole tape. Right. Yeah, he does not want to listen to the tape again. Exactly. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's right. what I would do. Well, and so we see a shadow start coming into the room, and I thought it was going to be a terrible ghost Me monster too. or something, but it's her, and she's really upset she's and like crying, crying too. And she, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now we find out that there used to be an orphanage there called Sacred Heart, but it closed down years ago. Right. The mystery is like way more complex than I was expecting. But they do a great job yeah. explaining it. I think so too. Is, I, one of the things I really like about this movie. Okay, so now we see an evil man who turns out to be the senator. So the senator gets out of his car, which mm-hmm. we don't really know who it is yet. It's just some old guy. Right. And he walks into a very strange looking, but cool building. Really cool building, yeah. And he goes up to his office on the top floor and gets a call from mm-hmm. Huckster. Huckster, who's the mean lady. Yeah, yeah. she's at the seance. Yeah, yeah, and she says, hey, see, they found the file. They know what's going on. Exactly, yeah. But so after he finds out that they might be onto his evil plan, he goes and stands by his gigantic ship box and just <laughs> stares. I'm sorry, did you say ship 
or something else. <laughs> I said, ship. Get a shit box, drive over, and get clear. Ship box. There you listener. go. Right. Yes. I would never say It's just the a glass thing. case with a big miniature ship in it. Yeah, but it's a one percent or ship box. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's rocking that shit box. <laughs> It's technically a ship glass case. Yes. Claire and George C. Scott have been doing some research about who owned this house, and they figure out that it was the family of the senator. And so the son was struck with this illness at age three, and so his father, because they have a ton of money, sent him to Switzerland to get like treated at some Switzerland conservatory or something. Right, and they were stuck there for World War I, and they came back when the kid was 18, Mm -hmm. miraculously cured. Right, exactly. So this is when we start to kind of get what they think the plan was was that the rich child was murdered by his father because he was sickly and was replaced by a six-year-old orphan from that sacred heart orphanage around this time in the movie we find out that there was a will because carmichael's father is an asshole yeah is a bad dude but Mm -hmm. married a very wealthy woman right but the very wealthy woman's father hated carmichael's Uh dad right a gold digging asshole yeah pretty much so he Mm -hmm. bypassed the dad in the will Mm -hmm. and said the son gets everything when the son turns 21 right if the son never turns 21 all the money goes to charity right so the dad joseph's dad says mm-hmm. well my kid may not make it to 21 right so why not kill him and replace him with someone who will live a long life exactly that's my first shot Ugh, I, that's made me so mad i know man. now i will say and i said this during the movie I would enact this plan if my kid died of natural causes before 21. I would 100% pay someone to play the kid. But I'm not going to murder my son to pull that off. Well, the kind of person that would do that is the kind of person that would get skipped in a will. And should get skipped in a will. Why wouldn't you just kill the grandpa first? Is that a real question? Yeah, well, then the money goes to the son who's six. But he's not old enough to receive. Is it held in a trust until then? Yeah, he doesn't get the money until he's 21. I would kill him first. That way, if the kid died, I could replace the kid and no one would know. That's, that's what he does. That's, that's the plot yeah, of the movie. Yeah, that's the plot of the movie. Well, so was the grandpa dead when he killed the kid? Welcome to the no. conversation. Was the grandpa who wrote the will <laughs> dead or alive when he murdered the kid? That's how wills work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it could be speculative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Now they're starting to think, because here's the thing. Now what happened to this boy's body? Right. Because they've been to the cemetery. They know that there's only three members of this family buried in the cemetery. Right, the son is not buried, presumably still alive. Exactly. And so they're thinking, hmm, was there a Carmichael ranch or something? Right. And maybe was there a well on this ranch? And turns out there was. Because he said well in the seance. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they go to to the blueprint place where the map expert... You know, expert, the blueprint place. Exactly, the blueprint <laughs> place. With the map expert right. who gives a lot of shade about knowing what well I do love that. That dude was awesome. So George C. Scott's like, so is this insignia here on the map a well? And the guy goes... Well, if you refer to the map legend, mm-hmm. you'll see that that is the sign for a well. Yeah, I've been like, asshole, you have one job. <laughs> right. Just read the fucking map. I know. Yeah. I'm not a cartographer like right. you are. Right, exactly. Just tell me what it is. I used to hang out at a movie theater when I was like in high school, and I had a friend who worked concessions there, mm-hmm. and I overheard him say this to a customer who just walked up to him and said, how much is a combo? And he said in response, follow along as I read aloud. And he raised his <laughs> hand and pointed at it and said, Combo, 
650 or whatever the cost was. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. <laughs> and he didn't get fired. Oh, but yeah, he's given a lot of map shade. He is. Which yeah. I appreciate because, you know, maps are not that hard. Oh my God. If anyone had a problem with the map shade, it would be Jen. <laughs> well, he, he's comparing like three different years of maps. And he's like, the yeah. well disappeared. Is, are you, is you sure that's the well? I would want to double check my work here too. Yeah, because you're about to go a to a body. stranger's house and tell them you want to dig up their house. That's true. Yeah. And that's the next thing we do because we find out that this well was built over by a bunch of houses or something. Yes, and there's a, a Miss Emily Gray, E. Gray. Yeah, yeah, because the whole ranch was sold off and now it's like a sort of subdivision, but one right. house is directly above where the well was. Right. So that's yeah. where E. Gray lives. Exactly. Okay, so now they get back to E. Gray's house. She's got some tea on for him. She <laughs> is origi- now saying I didn't really want to talk to you except you said that this thing happened like a couple of nights ago while Three you were having ago. a yeah. seance. Yeah. And something else happened at that same time. My daughter, Linda, woke up screaming and said she'd seen a little boy kind of like a gnome trying to come up through the floor of her room. Right. And it just so happens that her room is right over where the well is. Exactly. She said Linda won't sleep in there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, She sleeps in her bed. So they have a conversation and the mom's like, well, I'll think about it. Yeah, Yeah. because I don't want you to dig up my house. Right. Right. And so then we cut to Linda. We assume it's Linda. Right. Asleep. And she wakes up and she's walking through. She's looking at something and she goes into her bedroom. It's super dark and scary. Yeah. Why would you ever do that? I know. If you just saw a childlike gnome trying to crawl up through your floor you just burn the house down and run yeah you gnome out of there real yeah, quick exactly <laughs> and so we hear creaky boards and we see the little boy joseph in the water like under the floor yeah. and then the mom comes in and everybody's screaming yeah the mom does come in and grab linda and then we immediately cut to a chainsaw chainsawing <laughs> yeah floor, because which she I loved. <laughs> uh, yeah because she noped out of that and was like yeah mm-hmm. call them dig up my shit exactly uh, wait dig up my house <laughs> uh, and so they found the well and so we cut to a lot of this through a lot of this digging and then they're kind of at the bottom of the well and so they find bones at the bottom yeah they find a hand bones. yeah yeah oh it's sad yeah, yeah so it's confirmation that joseph was buried there then the lady's like i'm calling the police now i love the series of events that happen right here mm-hmm. because they are exactly what should happen right that homeowner goes and calls the police the police come <laughs> they dig up the bones. They dig up the bones. They take them out in a tiny little bag that's see-through that everyone in the neighborhood can see. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why you it's do that. It's not as bad but... as Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. true. Yeah. Anyway, so the cops are like talking to George C. Scott and they're like, well, how did you know the kid was here? And he's like, I don't know, just had a hunch or whatever he says. Yeah. And then the cop's like, uh, we're going to need statements from everybody because this is like real fucking weird. Right. Yeah. Because when he asks, do you know who this kid is? He's like, oh, not really. Not really. Like, what, the f- what do you mean by not really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's you the most suspicious answer you could have given. He's yeah. a very seasoned police officer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but he may like, as well have just like twirled his mustache while he said <laughs> right. it. Because that is the most sketchy thing you could say. <laughs> exactly. And you find out that in his statement, he's like, I'm haunted by the ghost of this boy. Right. <laughs> but later that night, George C. Scott breaks a window uh-huh. to go in and jump down into the well again to find the medallion that creepily comes up out of there. Exactly. But he has a good relationship with the lady who he owns does. that house. Why not just ask her, hey, E. Gray, can I have some tea and a spot of time in the well (laughs) Uh so I can steep out this medallion? You ask her to go make you the tea, and while she's waiting for the kettle, then you get the medallion out. Yeah. Yeah. You say, put the kettle on. Exactly. That's Tea Time 101, Uh, guys. The only important part of this scene is that he has put his adventure jacket on. That's true. He's like, ugh. It's adventure jacket time. It's ready. So he's found this locket. Yeah, that that stop motioned through the soil. And so we see on this locket. It's not 
a locket. It's, it's a, a medallion. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a metal medallion. Yeah, he got Sorry. it for his confirmation day. So it says yes. his name, the date, and the time, and whatever. Yeah, and Joseph Carmichael. It's the right. solid proof of who the body is. Exactly. Yes. And so now we get the seduction exposition dump because he shows up at Claire's house and she's wearing her bathrobe. Yeah, I swear to God, when he knocked on that door, she was mm-hmm. fully clothed and then was like, oh, give me a minute, just out of the shower. Uh-huh. And then ran in, took all her clothes off, threw a robe on and mm-hmm. said, hello. Do you know how I know you're right? Because she had makeup on too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This whole movie is the slow seduction of George C. Scott. Maybe uh, some she- would say it's just the development of a normal, healthy relationship. You call it development of a healthy relationship. I call it the slow seduction. It's all the <laughs> dance we do, baby. But he's seducing her too, so it's like a back and forth. Oh yeah, there's some seducing going on. He's giving her the eye, the yeah. sad, broken Come eye. Come join me for my ghost adventure. Yeah, let's ride it. I like this because he's like, I can't give this to the cops now because they won't believe me. Yeah, they exactly. wouldn't because they searched there too. And he's like, they but did. I think Joseph wanted me to find it. And yeah. he did. And so now I'm going to go yell at the senator. Yeah, this movie is insane because he like barrels onto a runway uh-huh. where the senator's getting on a plane and he's like, I know the truth, senator, right. or whatever. And he holds the locket up. This is pre-9-11, so. Clearly, because yeah. they would have they just shot him yeah mm-hmm. yeah also you can just drive up to the airport well, you can do that on those small private planes. god you grew up so rich i'm sorry who's been on a private plane in this room lately oh that's true with a senator yeah i don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> i've never actually been on a private plane. i just know about it from like security stuff mm-hmm. well they're going. nice <laughs> <laughs> all right so he's waving this locket at the senator and he's saying it's I'm, a medallion he's waving the medallion at the senator and he's yeah. saying i'm living in your house and and this is when i figured out that the senator was the substitute right was yeah. quote unquote joseph carmichael exactly Exactly. Who is not really Joseph Carmichael mm-hmm. because he was murdered by his father. <sighs> the senator is pretty elderly, too. Joseph right. would have been as well. If right, he had, right, right, right. You know, it's just important that the listener knows. Yeah. And so the evil senator says to call the police. And then he pulls out another medallion. Yes. That I guess he just wears. He says, call the police. He says, call Captain What's His Face. Winky Blinky. He's on my payroll. Right. Mm. But then you're right. He does pull out his medallion. Yeah. And this is the thing that I was wondering the whole movie does the senator know that he is not really Joseph Carmichael? Mm. I don't Mm -hmm. think the senator knows. I don't think he does either, but I'm not sure and they never confirm it because he has a confirmation medallion too. Right. Which I'm sure the father just made a duplicate of and gave to him. But I don't know, and I wish they had answered that. Although I do think through maybe some of the choices the actor was making, it doesn't seem like the senator knew he wasn't really Joseph Carmichael. And I think because I think the whole purpose of the haunting was to show the real the senator that the man he loved so much was a murderer. And exactly, yeah, I agree. But yeah, so he does call the detective or Mm -hmm. sergeant or whatever somebody Dewitt. He shows Dewitt, but not before um, George C. Scott goes back in his house and all the doors are slamming and the camera spinning all over the place. love this because the ghost three hours ago opened every door in the house and then just sat waiting for him to get home. Right. It's slam shadowing. Yeah. (laughs) George C. Scott's like, what do you want from me? I'm literally doing everything I know to do. Right. Stop being such a, oh, you are a child. Sorry, sorry. That's my bad. Yeah. I'm just going to do that thing I do in this movie, which is fall asleep on random pieces of furniture. (laughs) (laughs) This dude could sleep anywhere and I love him for it. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and so he's fallen asleep in a chair, I think, at this point. And And this is when DeWitt comes over. Right. And so now DeWitt is at the door and he says he was at the airfield this morning and you are causing a scene. And he also found out that he dug up some weird bones in a well the last night. And yeah, he's like, you need to stop trying to blackmail the senator. Exactly. And you have a piece of his family's property. We need this locket back. So that makes me think he did know because he he knew that he had the locket. He honestly still may not know. He may think that 
George C. Scott is a composer who's down on his luck and needs money and is blackmailing him and making up a story about his family. Right. But he's just so proud of his family and they're like a Baron-esque family. They have like a lot of money and it's mm-hmm. old money and stuff like that. So I'd imagine that he has been the target of blackmail type schemes in mm-hmm. the past. So I don't know that this does signify that he knows that he is adopted and they murdered the kid before him or whatever. I just think that he is thinking he's being the target of blackmail again. But I don't know. I mean, they, they never really old dude, he's probably vulnerable to yeah. that. And so now he's asking for the locket back and then Claire shows up and we find out that they canceled his lease. So now he's got to move out of this house yes. and Claire got fired. Yeah, because the senator sits on the board of the Historical Society, right. and so he ousted mm-hmm. her immediately. Right. Which, if you think somebody's blackmailing you, that's yeah, a you would. thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, you would. Absolutely. But so while she's there, DeWitt is saying, if you don't, I, I'm going to come back with a warrant in one hour if you don't give me this locket. So <laughs> here's an hour to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. And so George Whoa. C. Scott says, GTF out my house. Right. right? Come back with your warrant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come back with your warrant, son. And mm-hmm. so DeWitt leaves, and then he gets killed ghost style. He does. Like the ghost I, is a member of the mafia. I love this scene because so George C. Scott gets drawn to the mirror. Yeah. He looks at the mirror, and he blows up in his face. Uh-huh. Yeah. He has a piece of glass Oof, in his neck. That was he rough. He pulls yeah. it out. Then it cuts to DeWitt. There's like a hole of glass in front of his face. And we see his terrified face upside down. Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dead. And then he yeah. gets a phone. Then the phone rings. He got <laughs> ghost blasted. Yeah. <laughs> he does. And then it's Claire. And she's saying, oh, it just happened to be driving home the same way. And there's a car upside down in the middle of the road. And it's DeWitt's car. And it's He's DeWitt's dead. car. Yeah. And yeah. we see the zoom out of that um, in his face. And it's just real weird that the car's just sitting there in the road upside down. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, he obviously got ghosted to death. He did. Right, Mikey? Well, I don't know. I do the ghosting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the recipient of their ghosting. I'm a giver. So now the senator has gotten off of his private plane. and He's he's gotten back from Spokane. From Spokane, yes. And he's calling to check out what's up. He's got a car phone. He does, which in the 80s, you know. That's big old money. And he finds out that DeWitt is dead now. Yes. He's like, what? He's DeWitt? (laughs) And so he pulls up to the House 2 house. Yes. And when we say that, it literally is is the House 2 house. Yeah. The only thing that would give it away is that they had the Caterpillar dog like running around right. yeah i mm-hmm. love that dog it or is a the house to house or a gigantic caveman running around or just some crazy dude shooting <laughs> or, an uzi yeah or yeah. a ghost mummy grandpa or an exactly. aztec princess i love that guys <laughs> if you haven't seen house two check it out and then listen to our episode it's because insane. it is insane yeah but it, it is, is really it fun. is that house yes. it is yeah and this is where the senator lives mm-hmm. but this is when george c scott goes to talk to him and george c scott is like the nicest dude he walks he in is. he explains what happens then he gives the senator like all of the material well, he could uh-huh. use to blackmail. The senator takes out his check when he's like, well, how much do you want? He's like, I don't want blackmail. I'm being haunted by this ghost. Yeah, I right. don't want your money. Yeah, and then I he just proves want this that. mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This ghost just wants you to know. He like hands it all to him. Yeah, right. he like, I don't want to blackmail you. Here's like the tape. It's the only copy of the tape. Here are the files, which mm-hmm. I guess the they're on. Yeah, yeah. here's well, the he medallion. he tells him the whole story of what's happened. And yes. while he's telling them, the, there's a picture of his father on the desk, too. Painting. So yes. he keeps looking at it. Yeah, and he's saying. Not my father. <laughs> right, right. But he's saying you were the adopted boy. You, you were are the, the changeling. Who, you were the changeling. Yeah. He said the name of the movie. Well, he didn't, though. But yeah. No, he didn't. Wait, no, no, I think he does. He does he say, does the say changeling. Yeah. He said, you're the changeling. Yeah. yeah. And then and then he's like, no, I'm not. And then, you know, George C. Scott's like, you're, this is this all doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Right. None of this is yours. 
And he's like, whatever, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Exactly. And by bootstraps, of course, I mean my parents' money. Fuck you, work hard for your whatever you I do. Don't exactly. exactly. I don't think he says that. He just says, I, you know, I'm my father's son and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right. Listen, I yeah. only got a very small loan of, of like $15 million. $500 million. Dollars. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think the senator is inherently evil. I don't think, I don't so, think so either. And I honestly do think. And I might be wrong about this because I may have missed something, but I don't think he knows he was adopted and replaced a kid that was murdered. Right. I think he might know he's adopted, but I don't think he knew that he replaced the murdered kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he knew about his grandfather's will and stuff like that. Yeah, probably not, because that would defeat the whole purpose I of know, the dad right? doing yeah. the plan. But I mean, yeah. whatever. Like, I, I'm, I, right. if I miss something, I'm sorry, but I don't think he it's knows. Kind of a gray area because he does know what the other necklace. I, I wish they would have explained it a little bit more. Like, I don't think he does know what the other necklace. No, he sent he, the, he sent the the policeman to offer to buy it. Yeah, but because he he knows. Because the dude waved it in his yeah, face. Yeah, like he yeah. made a duplicate of it. I, I mean, right. I, I don't know. I just don't. I think there's some things that are just are not answered. Right, you know? and I kind of like that because yeah, I like fine. having that kind of ambiguity with yeah. his character. Mm-hmm. So Claire goes back to the haunted house and she's yeah. about to knock on the door, but it opens like <laughs> right in front of her hands, and all of us said, <gasps> "Oh no!" Yeah, it was very funny. It was very ominous and really cool too. Yeah, and so she goes in and there's no one there. Well, who she's opened like, the door. George, George, she's got, and then like the ghost is recorded like mumbles of him he's like burp <laughs> it's, honestly what it is is the ghost has the talk boy from home alone too yeah. and he's using things he's recorded of george c scott to lure her upstairs but it's always all he's recorded is different is him crying so it's just like different mumbling <laughs> or him are you yelling, upstairs? what do you want from me and he's stuff like, like that oh, yeah hello <laughs> yeah <laughs> But she gets to the door right before the stairs up mm-hmm. into the ghost The evil room, attic room. Right? Yeah. She's like, I don't want to go up there. Uh-huh. Are you up there, George C. Scott? Yeah. And, and we're uh, all like, same. Yeah. And don't then go she, up there. And then she does go up there. Mm-hmm. And then this is when the wheelchair decides it's going to chase her out of the house. It is, yes. And it's just chasing her all the way through all like yes. all 9,000 staircases that she goes. And then she falls down, like rolls down yes. the stairs. Well, they both do. They, they both do. take a tumble down the bottom staircase. Mm-hmm. And then she sort of pops up and starts screaming. And you think that the chair is going to come like jump on her or something. Uh-huh. But it's George C. Scott now who's right. helping her up. Mm-hmm. And she's sort of like just losing her shit because she's being chased by a ghost chair. Exactly. Yeah. Which she, I would too. As you would. Yeah. yeah I mean, and yeah. she just fell down the stairs. That's fair so too. So she might have a concussion too. But now George is there and the chandelier starts shaking a lot too. And yes. so they go outside and she waits out there and he, go, he yeah, goes he, back in. Yeah. She's crying. He's so, She's sobbing on control. He's like, you stay out here. I'll love go check this I'll out. Handle I'll handle it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is when the wind is blowing really hard and he's trying to walk up the steps. And, <laughs> and Mikey like, was like, he's got some good hair. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, no toupee on George Like Fabio-esque blowing yeah. hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the chandelier is swinging really yeah. high at this point. And he starts to walk around the corner, mm-hmm. like right by his bedroom. Uh-huh. And the wind blows and breaks the banister yeah. out right there. And he falls down. Blows him through the banister. Yeah. And well, I guess he hangs for a second. And then he falls. He mm-hmm. And then chandelier is precariously swinging right over him. Right. And then there's this cool shot of like fire spreading like down the banister. Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. It's yeah. really cool. So George is just looking up at the fire stuff. And it's on the chandelier. I think too now. Yeah, everything is on fire. Yeah. Right. And so now we're back to the senator and he's looking at these two medallions and he and he's also looking at the picture of his father and he kind of hangs the medallion over the picture of his father. I think he throws his away mm. because I think at that point he accepts that it is a fake. He is the changeling and he throws his fake medallion away and he puts the one he got from George C. Scott over the portrait of his dad. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's when the desk starts the shaking. The desk starts to shake and then you see him 
I think metaphorically climbing the steps right, that right. are on yeah. fire because he never really leaves his house. But we see him climb up the steps and then go into and Dorsey Scott sees it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, we sort of see him go up the steps and the stairs crumble and he's just up in the house mm-hmm. as it burns. And this part is so cool. Yes. I love it because it's creepy. It's fucked up. Like things are actually happening, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's escalated a lot. And it's just a really cool visual because he's got that red kind of like dressing gown jacket on too which is how i knew it wasn't george c scott right also yeah so that was helpful Well, because he's wearing like a silk robe and mm-hmm. a tie and slacks like he's really he's, yeah he knows how to relax he really does yeah. it looks like montgomery burns off-duty senator look <laughs> he even has a smithers and then he yells at him to leave him alone oh my god exactly uh. yes <laughs> so the stairs have crumbled behind him and now the chandelier falls and almost lands on george c scott i think the ghost is wanting him to to leave the house because so th- th- he could have dropped the chandelier on him, right? But he drops it just uh, next to him, mm-hmm. and then George C. Scott's like, "Well, bye, gotta get out of here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he and Claire drive away. Yeah. Now the senator is continuing to walk up all the fifty staircases, and he's going up into the evil the attic, attic room, Ooh. and then we see again the terrible scene of this boy getting murdered. Except you see the senator sort of looking over the shoulder of the right. father holding the kid's legs mm-hmm. to make him drown. Yeah, yeah, and seeing it, and so we see it, and. Then he pulls back and we realize he wasn't actually there. He saw the vision of yeah. it from his office. Because it pulls yeah. back and he's still in his office and the whole desk is shaking and then he has sort of a cardiac arrest and falls on the ground. Right. As I kind of would if I flashed to a burning haunted house and saw my yeah. dad murdering a kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm old. You know? And realized yeah. your whole life has been a lie. I already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sweet lie, though. Like that kid hit the jackpot. He really did. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I would have been like, that sucks, man. I wish I could have do something, but like, yeah, I'm just a kid orphan. It wasn't my fault. And probably didn't know any better. Like, he probably did not know that that took place. True. Even if he knew he was adopted, he probably didn't know that that kid was murdered so that he could be adopted and then kind of right. changelinged in. And so he has his cardiac arrest and we see an ambulance pull up and his face is covered. So yeah. we are led to believe that he's dead. Yeah. And this is when you see George C. Scott and Claire right there on the steps. Yeah, they came so back they, to the house. They go house. back. But we do quickly realize that the senator was like three doors down from... <laughs> The the haunted house. Mm-hmm. Because we see the ambulance pull out of their driveway and then drive past the house that's on fire. The which, senator lives roughly the same distance away as the garage is from the front <laughs> door of the house. So it's quite exactly, a ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we cut back to the evil, the haunted house on fire. Like yes. burning the shit out of this house. It's burning down. And then it kind of slowly pans in or fades into the morning and I liked how they did this because we just show the ruins of the burned out yeah, house. Yeah, burned was, out. But I also like, did they really burn it? Like, that's yes. a, it was a good shot of like a helicopter view of like have, a yeah. giant yeah. house on fire. They have to have burned that real house down. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, <laughs> and so in the ruins we see a wheelchair there and which is the wheelchair that tried to attack Claire down the steps. Yeah. Um, and then the music box is there and the music box opens and it starts to play the song. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. Yeah, guys. Roll credits. Yeah. yeah. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about it? Loved it. I really liked it. I liked it, too. It's scary, and there are parts I don't really like because it's scary, but mm-hmm. it's not super scary. But I thought it was a really well-done movie. I think so, too. Especially for how old it is. For me, movies that are like early 80s or 70s are pretty bad. Like, right. I think one of the reasons we, like, 
love Top Gun and Ghostbusters and like the movies from the 80s that were so good, like Back to the Future, is because they were rare gems uh-huh. in a time period where movies weren't great. And this is a good movie. I think it's They too. nailed it. Yeah. I think the story is really compelling and I think it kind of fits Agreed. the slow burn style, yeah. you know? Yeah. And one of the things, I'm going to link an article about this because one of the things I love about this movie is the sound design of it, you know? Because this is yeah. really like... It's a movie told through sounds. You know, you don't see very much happening. You just hear it, you know. And Absolutely. Like the cues are like the music, and that's like the banging kind of mirroring the sound of like the piano keys rattling. It's just yeah. the sound is amazing in this movie. They did a very, very good job. And I think yes. they really it, did. You, you get to tell a difference between a well written story and not, especially in horror, it's easy to tell a difference because you have really clear motivations of who George C. Scott is as a character. Even Claire, their relationship, the mystery yeah. is well written and paced. Mm-hmm. It's all like really well done. Yeah. But it's not overcomplicated, too. Right. Like we never see that friend couple again from the very beginning. They them. said mm-hmm. it yeah. exactly because they're really just telling a simple, a pretty straightforward story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I do like that we never see George C. Scott and Claire have any sort of physical or sexual type relationship. Exactly. Because this is four months after his daughter and wife got murdered or not murdered but got killed Mm -hmm. and and presumably the mystery takes a couple of months and like their their relationship is slow but like gaming steam but like if there was a sequel to this I could definitely see them being together at some point in that sequel but yeah so let's talk box office cool so what do you guys think the budget for this movie was Mm, I think it's probably a little on the lower end. And it's 1980, is- so remember, it's it's like 80s money. It's before Reaganomics screwed up America. So what do you think the budget was? Five million. Okay, what do you think? Five million and one. All right. <laughs> So you're both way over. Oh, two million. It was six hundred thousand dollars. Wow. I know, which is insane. Now, if you adjust for inflation, it is two point one million dollars. So your huh. second guess was very, very close. Nice. But that's still pretty low budget for, for mm-hmm. this movie. And it looks pretty good. It's for the eighties, it looks pretty right. good, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they did a great job. What do you think the domestic box office was for this movie? Pretty big. Twenty? All right. Fifty. Okay, so it's the eighties, guys. Oh, it was twelve so million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was twelve million dollars, oh, nice. which is not bad if you adjust for inflation. It's forty million. So it did all right, but twelve million on a six hundred thousand dollar investment is great. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Right. So it did very, very well for itself. I'm not sure if it was like the biggest movie that year or whatever for horror. It was just. It was a good movie. Well, fun fact: it did win. So it's a Canadian movie. Yes. And it won the very first um, Canadian Best Picture. Oh, award. really? Yeah. I can't. I couldn't tell if it was the first time the award had ever been given, or it was the first time they had changed the name to the Genie Awards. But okay. it did win Best Canadian Picture. Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Very, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So just to put it in comparison, this movie did very, very well for 1980, but The Poltergeist mm-hmm. came out two years later. Mm-hmm. It came out June 4th of 82, and that movie's production budget was $10 million, and it made $74 million in theaters. Mm. So it did much, much better, although I think it had it wasn't Canadian, which right. doesn't help. Well, it was Spielberg, too. Right. So I was going to say it was a Spielberg movie, and it just did much, much more right. money. And we've done Poltergeist. That's the reason I want to point have, it out. We have, yeah. That one made, if you adjusted for inflation, $231 million. Mm, so okay. similar type movie did much better two years later. Yeah, and this is another movie that's like really revered in the horror community, too. But it's one that I don't know if people know about if you're not really into horror. You yeah. Know? So, Jen, do you have some fun facts for us? I do have some fun facts. Jen's got some fun facts for the change. Okay, so this was inspired supposedly by a real story. So Russell Hunter is the person who wrote this screenplay, and he wrote it about experiences that he had in the Henry Treat Rogers mansion in Denver. And I'm going to link an article about that. 
Um, he moved into this mansion. He started hearing noises, banging and crashing at specific times. He uncovered a hidden staircase in a closet. Oh, my he God. He found <laughs> a trunk with 100-year-old toys. He found the journal. The favorite toy was a red rubber ball. So basically- Wait, the, really? Yeah. All what? of the stuff is out of it? Like, that really happened? Well- Did he burn the house down immediately? No. I oh. think the house is still there. Um, but apparently they had a seance, and they found out it was like the sickly child of a rich family who had died, and they'd swapped out- so basically the plot of this movie is this story that wow. I found in this article. They dug up the body, found a medallion. It was like exactly. Wait, they dug up a body? They said they got permission from the seance to figure out where the body was and dig it up. And they found a medallion with his name on it. And then Not from the, the cemetery. Wait, like they that's found the true? Body? You Supposedly. are blowing my mind I, right apparently now. Apparently this is true. Is this on Wikipedia? What? I need to look at this it's, up. Well, I found an article that I'll link from like the Denver library. Let's put it in the show notes. We're, yeah, we're going to yeah. put it in the show notes and I'll link it on Twitter too. But at the end of the article, it said some of these facts haven't been confirmed. Uh, so I hadn't seen this movie when I was researching this. So sure. I was like, oh, that's a really cool story. And then as I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's exactly what fucking happens in the movie. Of yeah. course. Uh. He, so I think there maybe have been a little Amityville horror kind of embellishment kind yeah, of thing okay. going. Okay. But it is based on his experiences in sure. an old creepy mansion. Okay, cool. So decide for yourself what happened. Yeah. Because we don't know. Or And check the article in the show notes. Okay. So changelings. Have you guys heard about changelings? I think I figured it out. So they are European folklore. <laughs> so the changelings are real, supposedly real creatures who are the offspring of fairies and elves. Wait, are they the ones that can morph into different people? They're substituted for the human children. So apparently ah. the fairies and elves take the human children, the little babies, and leave the changelings there. And you can return the original child by either making the fairy laugh or by torturing it. Oh, so, you know. both ends of the spectrum. Exactly. Right. So it's sort of like the story arc of Monsters, Inc. Oh, A yeah. little bit, yeah. 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 Now, unfortunately, this, because it was like in 1800s, has been used to actually torture kids. Ugh. And um, there's a story about a woman who his her husband accused her of being a changeling because she wanted to like go into business making dresses and like be independent. And he didn't like that. And they <laughs> like tortured the shit out of her and killed her. But they were calling her a changeling. So I think this was kind of a story to explain why your child might be acting differently or doing things you didn't like. So it's a little bit... Um, Problematic, yeah, yeah, and sad and terrible. Yeah, very sad. But that is an actual legend where this, and that's where that name came from. Trish Vandeveer and George C. Scott. And Trish was Claire, right? Trish is the yeah. actress that played Claire, and George C. Scott were married in real life. Oh, that's why they had so much chemistry. They had a I lot know. of chemistry. Nailed but it. But that they weren't overdoing it because they were getting it every night when they went home. Oh, yeah. nice. They'd be like, yeah. oh, we got to go to the trailer for seven minutes. I know. <laughs> and I love their relationship. But apparently, they did like seven or eight other movies together, too. Oh, good for them. That's awesome. And they were married until he died. When he died, did she move into a haunted house and find love with someone else who was in on the mystery with her? She oh, did, man. yeah. Nice. And, like, threw balls at him. Ooh. Oh. I bet he threw balls at her. The baby in this movie that we definitely all remember seeing. I don't remember seeing a baby, but okay. okay. I don't either. But it was the first on-screen appearance of Joshua Jackson when he was seven months old. Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. 
Are Casey. you for real? I am. That's yeah. insane. I know. Isn't it cool? I don't remember seeing hey, a baby listeners, at all. Do you, did you see Joshua Jackson in this movie? Because please send As him. a baby? <laughs> exactly. As a seven-month-old. But his mom was a casting director. And this was sh- a lot of this was shot in Vancouver. And that was around where they lived. Ah. So, yeah. All right. And those are my fun facts. Thank you for your fun facts. You're hmm. well. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the scary scale, Jen. Hey, listeners, our scary scale is a ranking we use to say how scary we thought the movie was. It's not a ranking of the quality of the movie. It's how scared we were today when we watched it. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd, what do you think? I'm going to give it a two. There okay. were parts that were scary, but it wasn't super scary. And it was more just like ominous than scary. I think mm. a lot of early 80s and 70s movies are not as scary as later movies movies because mm-hmm. I don't think they had nailed like jump scares yet and we just don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that they invented sort of later in like with slashers and stuff like that yeah. that really get me. I also but think audiences have evolved over time. Too. That is true I'm sure but I did like the movie. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I thought it was well done which is not normal for me. Normally right. I'm out but mm-hmm. this is not yeah it's definitely worth a watch. Mikey? I'm going to give it a one. Because <laughs> you're dead inside? I don't I'm feel shame. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm going to give it a four. I could see that. Yeah. Child murder is hard for you. It yeah. is. It really is. Yeah, and that was really upsetting. Also, like, it's a pretty tense movie, you know? Yeah. Even yeah. watching it and joking with you guys, there were scenes that were really effectively creepy, you know? And I, I think, think lots so. of times when you hear stuff and you're not seeing it, you imagine something that's going to be scarier. A child know? Michael yeah. gave it a ten. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. And that's a scary scale. So this week, you guys made me watch The Changeling. Yep. What are we watching next week? I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite movies. We are watching Final Destination next I week. I can't believe we haven't done one I of these know. movies yet. Because it's like a staple in the franchise of horror movies. It is, yeah. I think we'll have a good discussion because I don't really like them. Fair Uh-oh. enough. Well, All right. <laughs> well, we'll see. I haven't seen them, so I have no idea. You don't like any of the movies. That's fair. So, guys, check out Final Destination for next Monday's episode. And you probably have already seen it, but if you want to watch it again, brush up on it. I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. So now it's time for Mikey to read our most recent five-star review. Lady Undertaker says, I love this podcast. Aw, thank you. The hosts give different views and different things to the table. Jen is the one who reads into things and really loves horror. That is true. Which I relate to. Oh, well, there you go. Not me, but her. She's a real Jen. That's the best thing to be. Whatever. (laughs) So, Mikey likes horror, but is picky about what he likes. No spiders. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Arachnophobia is your scariest movie ever. (laughs) And Todd... Is the horror virgin. That's me. Who is new to seeing these, who is always scared and surprised. <laughs> yep, five that's star. True. Nice. Aww. Well, thank you very much, Lady Undertaker, for your awesome five star review. And if you want us to read your five star review, leave us a five star review. Yeah, thank you. So we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. Yes, we are. Yes. Yeah. Check out us, but also their other shows, The Opus, uh, This Must Be the Gig, Kyle Meredith with Discography, Filmography. There's awesome shows on their network. Check it out. Yeah. A lot of great movie and music podcast to check out. And check out the website too and follow them on socials because they run articles all the time and they're always really interesting. They are great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I I love music. So they have a lot of great music articles that I've Mm -hmm. been binging since we joined the network. So check it out guys. It's really awesome. If you guys want to go to our website, it's at horrorvirgin.com. We can get Jen's awesome blog and links to our merch store and stuff like that. If you want to reach out to us on social, we're at horror virgin. Or if you want to reach out to us individually, it's at M Randolph 24. Yes. At Jen Ferratu and I am at Todd J. Awesome. So if you guys want some awesome exclusive content, 
Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorvirgin. Get your uh, weekly or monthly shout outs, all of the video content we post up there. We have started doing bonus episodes, so check those out. They're great. They're a lot of fun. Our first one just dropped on Friday. Yes, it did. It's great. People Mm -hmm. are loving it. And guys, if you can't (laughs) afford to financially support the show, please continue doing what you're doing, and that is telling your friends and family about the show and joining the Facebook group where we give you guys daily free content. Yeah. So check that. It's free. It's daily. It's content. Check Mm -hmm. it out. We're often in there talking, pretty Mm -hmm. much daily in there talking. Yeah. We interact a lot in there. And the community is really awesome, too. The community is amazing. That's going to be it from us, guys. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this journey through the changeling. Yeah, man. Do you think we're all still the same people that started this podcast? I think we've changeling. (gasps) (laughs) Can you add ED to changeling? Changeling. I mean, yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I'll take it. It's 2020, Todd. It's a new year, new us, new network, new Yeah, guys. Awesome. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror version, Todd, guys. (laughs) Have an amazing week. (laughs) Bye. I hope there's no World War III. Mm. You think we'll get drafted, Todd? I'm too old. Do you guys see those balls bouncing over here towards us? Jen. Jen, uh, (laughs) Just me? Is it just me? uh, It's it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost nerds! Consequence Podcast Network.